Chatting with Sherry. Today we welcome back producer Craig Miller. We're going to talk about his book, Star Wars Memory, My Time in the Death Star Trenches, and we talk about a bunch of other stuff. Here's Craig. Hi, Craig. Welcome to the show. Hi, Sherry. Thanks for having me. It's nice having you back. <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. How are you doing? Well, um, other than having to deal with not going anywhere and not seeing anybody in person, um, doing okay. Now, isn't it weird? It's just a very strange world we live in right now. Yeah, it is. It's very odd. Um, it's weird. I was um, I was talking to someone during an interview, and one of the things we were discussing was how this affects... It's, it's, it doesn't just affect, like, uh, certain people. It's affecting everyone. It's a worldwide thing. I mean, it's, 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 it affects more people than war, what's going on right now. Yeah. Pandemic. Isn't that, isn't that, it, that one little, tiny, little microscopic bug could do all that? Yeah, well, they say... The same thing happened a hundred years ago with the flu epidemic, mm -hmm. uh, but it was harder for people. People didn't travel as much, so I guess it didn't spread quite the same pace. But it's you know, it's a terrible thing. Hopefully, one of these companies working on vaccines will come up with an actual safe cure. You know that, you talk about the Spanish flu, did you know that actually the soldiers from World War One were what carried it to other countries? That they got it, but they, did, they didn't have any symptoms and they didn't know they were sick and they're the ones who carried it to the other places that it was? Ah. Like England and, and the U.S. And, and places like that. So it, it, they didn't ha they didn't travel quite as much, but because of the war, they did travel quite more than they normally probably would have. Yeah. And then of course they were on ships, which like they passed it to everybody. So it was it, you know I mean what, uh, troop ships that's what they call them. Yeah. Right just very strange um I know some people are um are, are you doing like virtual signings and virtual talks and stuff like that I'm, I'm doing a lot of talks and panels and podcasts not not so much virtual signings although people do contact me they want to get a signed copy and so I'll sell them a book at cover price and sign it and mail it off to them. Uh, they pay shipping, of course. Um, 
but so people who want signings right now that's kind of how it's done they contact me through email or Facebook or someplace um, and I I still have some copies here so I've been selling those but otherwise people get the book on Amazon um, and um, you know they just you know can't do can't really do signings right now I know but I'm, ha I'm happy to talk to people and you know send them books are you do you have like conversations on like Facebook or Instagram and stuff like that yeah yeah I, I'm on Instagram but not a lot so it's easiest to get me through Facebook um, on an individual basis and like I say I've been doing a lot of podcasts and, and panels I've done a couple of conventions you know virtual conventions where either I've given a, a talk about Star Wars or been on a panel how do you feel about the virtual conventions? Um, they're okay in terms of panels and, and, you know, speeches. I think they're fine that way, but I, I really don't get the same kind of personal interaction that you get in, pers in, in person. You know, it's, um, I'm not talking about physical contact, I'm just talking about face-to-face -face conversations, talking uh, with people. I'm not seeing that with the virtual convention. My friends and I sometimes have, you know, Zoom chats or some, uh, some similar software app um, where two of us or ten of us, you know, will have a conversation for a couple hours. But the interactions at conventions uh, so far are just not the same. I think that's, well, in my opinion, that's because a convention is you're supposed to go and you're supposed to meet people and you must meet new people and you're supposed to see things you haven't seen before and hear all the great panels and stuff like that. And, I mean, I, I think the virtual panels are good and, and something for to still continue stuff. But if you've, you've been going to conventions for a long time, it's... It just isn't the same. You, you miss your friends. No, you miss not the, the same at all. Yeah. I know. Because I went to a couple and it just... I mean, it's cool. I mean, I got to see... For Comic-Con, I see. I got to see stuff I could... I never will wait for that the H-Hall. You know, waiting overnight and all that stuff. So, I've never been to any of those. So, that part of it was cool because I got to see those. But... It's 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 too much fun to go to the actual convention and go to see the circus outdoor outside the convention and and see the outdoor events and all that. It just it just isn't the same. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Um, it it it's not the same, and I don't wait for Hall H programs either. I know that if you go to Comic Con. Um, the stuff they do in that room will be online in 15 minutes. So mm -hmm. that, is, that isn't how I want to spend my time. But I do go to a lot of the smaller panels. Oh, yeah. The ones you can actually get into. Yeah, I just, I mean, yeah, you miss seeing them in person, but, you know, like the big stars and stuff. But it just isn't worth 
waiting all night in the cold or in the rain or something to get to see them. Yeah. And not at my yeah. age. <laughs> yeah, not my, not my thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, um, when we went last time, there was, uh, we saw, we had a, we got to see a really great Star Trek panel, and it was one in smaller rooms, and we got to see a Star Wars panel in one of the smaller rooms. It was fun. You don't have to go to Hall H. <laughs> no, no, you don't. Um, so, do you think that the conventions will start again next year? I mean... I mean, I don't know if they have the vaccine. I know they're working on it. I, I don't think anything will happen until there's a reliable vaccine. But a lot of the conventions that were canceled this year are still scheduled for next year. So people are planning on doing them. It just depends on, you know, what happens with... Uh, COVID-19 and how controlled it is. And I think even then, it'll take a while before things build up. A lot of people will be nervous about starting conventions again. So you won't see as many people at first. Yeah. Um, it'd be nice to be able to, uh, you know, go to a meeting at a bookstore and, and stuff like that, though. Yeah. Once they get that under control. Um, so, I know you've been promoting your book on Star Wars. Are you working on any other books, or is this what? What are you doing during the time of nothingness? <laughs> um, well, I've I've started on actually two other books. One is a follow-up to Star Wars Memories where I talk about all the other movies I worked on after I left Lucasfilm. The Dark Crystal and Return to Oz and Muppets Take Manhattan uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, lots of other movies um, none of which I worked on as fully or as long as I was at Lucasfilm so they'd be combined into uh, another book and then I'm also working on a um, book on animation writing. That's what I've been doing since, you know, I worked, I did movie marketing for about 10, 12 years, and then I started writing um, for television, mostly animation, and I want to, and I've been teaching that at different colleges, and um, so I'm working on a book about that. Um. Do you feel that uh, animation has grown to the point that it is more realistic than, say, 10 years ago? Well, I guess that depends on what you mean by realistic. Well, you know, I like a fantasy movie. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's there are all kinds of aspects to it. Internationally, animation has always just been one more medium for storytelling and there were serious dramatic realistic animated programs and movies in the u.s for ages it's been relegated to um, comedy and movies and 
comedy or action adventure in um, for television. And I don't know that we're really, I don't think we've advanced to real dramatic animation um, for adults um, in, in this country, but I think we're moving that way. And animation has certainly expanded. It's more people are willing to accept animation as an adult, that they can watch animation um, and still be a, you know, a serious grown-up. <laughs> for a long time it was, animation was for kids under 12, and then between 12 and 18, the, they're at, the kids' attitude would be, oh no, that's for babies, I'm, I'm too adult for that. And then they'd get to college and start watching animation again. And there's certain ones that are really sort of solid, like The Secret of Nim. That one yeah. was a real story, had a real point, and had depth. Um, I'd like to see more stories like that, like that kind of real yeah, I mean, complex. There certainly have been <coughs> some. Secret of Nim was one. Uh, Tail Chaser's Song was another. Um, but it's a hard fight to do those kinds of movies in this country. Um, I had an option on the ElfQuest comics for a while, and we were developing that as you know a, a serious action adventure movie um, in animation. This was about, I don't know, 10, 10 years ago or so. But none of the studios and none of the distributors in the U.S. would look at animation that wasn't comedic. They just weren't interested. I think that's changed now, but it's still a hard fight. It's interesting. And because... And, there's so much you can do with animation, so many places you can go, things you can explore, and it it's like they, they're just touching it, but they're afraid to put their whole foot in to the pool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there, there's a lot you can do with that. I mean, it's just like... Uh, it's not that's not animation, but I really love the spaceship from the last Starfighter, and that was all CGI. I mean, and that was just gorgeous. Um, that, that's a movie I, I worked on doing the marketing. I love that. Oh, that's one of my favorite movies. It's a lot of fun. It's a good movie. Uh, well, I, I have to admit a weakness for Robert Preston. Oh yes. <laughs> He's, he's always wonderful, whether it's, you know, The Music Man or Last Starfighter. He did a lot of westerns. Um, he's, all, he's always fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Victor Victoria. He yes. was, I Didn't he get nominated for that one? Oh, I don't know. I Maybe. think he did. He was, he was just, he, he was open to trying anything, you know, that, as long as it was a good script. That, that's the kind of actor I adore. <laughs> yeah. But that's why I love that movie, is Robert. And, and when I heard the guys who 
wrote the screenplay, they said they that's wh- who their the voice in their head when they were writing the character was Robert. Oh Pattinson. yeah, yeah. Same with Last Starfighter, they wrote it for Robert Preston to do his Harold mm-hmm. uh, Hill Music Man character. Yep. Or a variation on it. Right. <laughs> that's, that's another thing. One of right now, so many live-action movies have so much CGI in them, they're effectively animated. Mm-hmm. They're just hyper-realistic. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, how many shows are shot in another country and they have a CGI background to make it appear to be a different country? I mean, they're, they're taking us away to different places through CGI. And you don't know it unless they tell you or uh, you read the credits. Yeah. <laughs> Which I do. <laughs> I'm a nerd. <laughs> Look at all the credits. <laughs> That's all right. A lot of us are. And all the behind-the-scenes stuff. I love watching behind-the-scenes. And, I, and I, um, I watch all the foundation interviews with classic actors. I'm, I, I'm really weird when it comes to that. I love all that background. Yeah, I understand. I I enjoy it, too. And I guess a lot of people do. That's why a lot of the cable channels and streaming channels do those kinds of interstitials, because they know people like them. Yeah. I have to admit that some of the stuff I have watched on YouTube. But that's where I found it. But then I found the website, and then I go there. Um, I'm a good girl. <laughs> Do you have a... Um, now, you are writing uh, books, but are you still working on animated films, doing screenwriting, too? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, right now it's a little slow uh, in the industry, although animation is still... Animation's more active than live action, but it's still not up to what it was. So, yeah, I'm still actively writing um, animation for television. Do you have anything that's out or coming up? Um, no, not not at the moment. I'm pitching some of my ideas at different companies and um, supposed to write on a couple of shows if if the uh, streaming channel finally green lights the show, but at the moment I am as they say, between engagements. Um, how do you feel about um, the changes with Star Wars and Star Trek and them both being owned by the same company? <laughs> well, Star Trek is owned by Paramount, um, not by Disney. Star Wars is owned by Disney, so they're not the same company. Um, but I meant like the director, isn't the director the same on both Star Wars and Star Trek? Oh, well, J.J. Uh, Abrams has directed movies for both franchises, yeah. Um, I think he actually did better with Star Wars. He he professes to be a bigger Star Wars fan than Star Trek fan, um, 
and you know, I I enjoyed the recent Star Wars movies. They're not they're not perfect. They have they have things that could be improved. Um, that is the the main one, you know. Uh, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker. I, I really liked Rogue One, and I think um, Solo is pretty good. And you know they're going to keep making them, and we'll, and it's amazing. Forty three years later, we're still talking about Star Wars movies. I like that though. I like that the uh, something stands the test of time that people poo pooed all those years ago. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of amazing. Because Star Wars was uh, when I, my brother and I went to see the first Star Wars movie. My my dad dropped us off because even though he was a science fiction fan, he goes, "That's more a, a science fantasy. It's more for kids." Then as he got uh, as it started being on television, he goes, "Okay, I'm sorry. You're right. It's a great show." <laughs> yeah, he's right that it's really science fantasy um, as opposed to science fiction, or at least not hard science fiction. It's more adventure science fiction. You know, we don't know how the ships work. We don't know how things happen. They just do. And that's okay, because that isn't what the shows or what the movies are about. No, I mean, and the thing is, is that yeah, my dad loved, uh, he grew up with the pulps, you know, in, in the 30s, so that's the stuff he loved. So it was hard for him to, I mean, I there was a show when I was a kid called Buck Rogers in the 21st Century that I loved, and he couldn't stand, because he said it was really, really bad science fantasy. <laughs> um, but I loved it. I mean, it, it, I, it, it, there's this little fine line between science fiction and science fantasy, but people, I mean, he softened, he mellowed as he got older, but, um, but people get really into that little fine line. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, there are, you know, but everyone's entitled to like what they want to like, you know, but I have friends who are big into hard science fiction, friends who are into fantasy, straight out fantasy, and others who, you know, like I say, um, there there are fantasy elements in Star Wars. The Force is kind of magical, um, but the science is, you know, waving hands kind of science. We go and we we go into hyperspace. Okay, and you know, there's no no one has done the math on it, and that's okay. If you're if you're big on to um, the hard science, yeah, you might have a problem. But if you don't mind an adventure movie set in a science fiction milieu, then it's great. You know, the same way that Alien was a horror movie in a science fiction milieu, and Aliens was a war movie in a science fiction milieu in terms of the storytelling. That's true. I never really thought of that. I mean, I always thought of that sort of a horror movie, too. Aliens. Well, there's some of it, but it's... The the story structure 
and the action is more war movie um, than straight horror. Alien is much more straight horror. Makes sense. Um, do you have um, a, a favorite science fiction movie? Is it Star Wars? Other than Star Wars, you mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I have a lot of science fiction movies I love. Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, of course. But I love Forbidden Planet. I think that's terrific. I love Robbie the Robot. Um, and, you know, the there are just a lot of movies out there that are just interesting, fun, exciting films um, that, you know, you can watch over and over again. Um, Galaxy Quest, I love. <laughs> that's a good movie. Yeah, maybe the best Star Trek movie ever made. <laughs> uh, or Alan Rickman as the alien is so cute. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's always a terrific, or he was always a terrific performer. Um, I've never seen him give a bad performance. No, neither have I. And he he really looks like himself. <laughs> he always looks totally different. I mean, unrecognizable. You only hear the voice, and you know it's him from the voice. <laughs> yeah, he has a very distinctive voice and delivery. The first time I noticed that, he um, first time I ever saw him was Robin Hood, the one with uh, Kevin Costner. Mm-hmm. And then the next time I saw him was in Sense and Sensibility, where he did look like himself. Right. And I I wasn't aware of the actor yet, but all through the movie as I'm watching it, I'm going, I know that voice. I know that voice. It was driving me crazy. Yeah, he's, his delivery, like I say, his delivery and his voice are very distinctive. Uh, he's also, of course, the villain in Die Hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, I I think I I saw him in that movie, but I actually don't remember. I'm not a big Bruce Willis fan, so I don't, I didn't. I I think I only saw it once. <laughs> so, do you have um any um plans? for after the pandemic is finally over? Oh, um, well, in general, I hope to do a lot more traveling um, and to, and especially to see my friends because um, I'm, I'm normally a very social animal. You know, I work, as a writer, I work by myself in my office and don't see people and um as i say a social animal so i'll try to set up lunches during the week with people either business lunches or just friends um, and go out with people uh, just to interact 
And so I'm looking forward to doing a lot of that again. I know. I must be able to meet my friends for coffee or to go to a movie. <laughs> we don't have, I, I mean, they're starting to open up movie theaters, but um, <clears throat> I'm not, not sure if I'm ready for it yet. Yeah, they're not opening movie theaters here yet, and as of today, they have canceled Halloween. No trick-or-treating in L.A. County. Oh, yeah, I forgot. You guys are still purple. We're red. <laughs> There's a color coding for those people who don't know for the state of California. <laughs> so if you're in purple, it's very restricted. In red, they're loosening up the restrictions. Yeah, although the um, new cases have been going down in L.A. County, uh, we're still having cases, but not nearly as many as there used to be. Well, that's good, because you guys scared me, because um, I have a lot of friends there. and <laughs> Scared us, too. <laughs> um, I'm glad to hear that. I know that um, the wildfires also aren't helping with the smoke quality and the air quality and stuff, so... Now we've been yeah, where I, where I am in West L.A., it's not too bad. It's not great, but it's not too bad. It's when you get into the San Fernando Valley and out towards the desert that it that the fires are really making the air bad. And all my friends live in the San Fernando Valley. <laughs> so that's not good. Um... <laughs> Um, so I wanted to know, um, your book is available on Amazon, but is it available in any uh, other places that people can get it? And, and are you still, it's all, sorry. It's also available through barnesandnoble.com. Um, I don't know what bookstores are carrying it. Although bookstores can order it if they want to. Um, and are you still, um, if, do you still have copies of the book to sign if somebody wants to get it? Yeah, um, because I've been going to conventions and doing signings, I had, um, just before we all stopped going outside, I had just had a hundred copies delivered for to take to conventions. I, I was selling 40 or 50 copies at every convention I went to. But now that I'm here, I just have, you know, a few boxes of books. So I still have copies that I can set, uh, sign and send to people if they want to buy them directly from me. And do you have a website? Um, I don't. I don't. Um, I'm not that organized or professional in that way um, but like I say I I have a my own website Craig, uh, my own Facebook page Craig Miller and the book Star Wars Memories has a Facebook page and I'm on Twitter and um, Instagram but like I say not all that often okay and um, do you have anything coming up that you want 
other than those two books that you want other um, people to know about? No, I you know I just I spoke at Force Fest, the big virtual Star Wars convention that was um, a week ago, um, and I but I don't think I got anything scheduled in the next month or so in terms of virtual appearances. Okay. All right. Um, I wanna um. I want to thank you for your time. I really appreciate you coming back on the show. Oh, thank you for having me, Sherry. And thank you for chatting with Sherry. <laughs>